Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, show where we try and talk about movies, but inevitably we talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is Colin Norby. And to my right is Colin Heron. And that's all there is this week. Chan and Dawn has left us. Chan's away on his hollybobs. Gallivanting. Where, where's he away? In Portugal? Aye, it was some football thing, and then he got he got a free holiday out of it. Uh, I think he because he used to organise it. No body, Sean. I couldn't watch him. And Dawn's away enriching someone's life by teaching them piano. Mm. <laughs> Which crack. is good, because my cousin, who's also your cousin, <laughs> taught, use, use taught, da- no, taught, taught Dawn piano. Dawn is passing on his wisdom. Passing the fucking torch. Oh, you know it's, like, it's like the circle of life. Oh, Pretty good. Oh, <laughs> you got it. Um, uh, well, we do. What are we drinking? It's all just beer and vodka at this stage. So I'm drinking the exact same thing I was drinking last year, which <laughs> yeah. is... Uh, last year? Last year. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Don't they start to touch me. We'll go straight into Danger Bottle. Hey. Or this week it's uh, Danger Carton. Bottled in the Downs. <laughs> it's uh, a carton of sangria that I bought. For two ninety nine. <laughs> Give us a wee. Uh, a wee uh, here, you, you're you're best at reading out descriptions. I don't know. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Do we all have to try it? Eh? Yeah, actually, I brought a glass because there's a s- serving suggestion on it. A servant, well, what it, it says you need a little. Serve cold. <laughs> <laughs> Is that old? I, I swore I read more of that. Pour, does it not say pour over ice or Surveys free. <laughs> Serve not boiling, is it? Is it warm? <laughs> I, I serve not boiling. <laughs> I will been sat in this room. Servir Freya. There's a couple of languages on that servant suggestion. Ice is starting to summer already. Uh, there's actually no, there's no description on this fucking thing. Oh no, there we go. Uh, let's see. I'm excited. What? what? Uh, I just want to read the old, uh, description here. How much that cost you, by the way? Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. It's good shit. That's what I like to hear. An exciting drink of wine and citrus. This sangria can be enjoyed with friends for a party. That's a serving suggestion. Is it? <laughs> no, uh, or as an everyday app. <laughs> aperitif. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Three foil. <laughs> Just pour it into a jug full of ice. Hey, that's the news. Garnish with a favorable fresh of fruit mint. and enjoy. Fresh fruit, so are we drinking it from the garden? No, pour. Oh well. I will. We'll have it. We'll have it. We'll have a danger glass. I will. Aye. You just brought up danger bottle, then you just fucking Mickey cooties, just. 
it's one of the best songs. No word there. Yeah. I usually thought it was redder. I don't know. Or not redder. More like uh, like paler. It looks like kind of black, can't they? I well, it's like fur. It's supposed to be fruity and shit on it. Smells like death. Does it? It smells pretty bad. That means it'll fuck us up, dude. Actually, that's all right. It just kind of tastes like shit wine, <laughs> but yeah. not wild bad wine. Here, he wants it. Go ahead, Carl. Let's see what you think about that. <laughs> I, see, I'm not a big wine drinker, so That's I don't really like any kind of wine. <laughs> um, good beverage with what they talk about, Tom's. This sort of tastes like wine with citrus on it. <laughs> I know, I'm a bit disappointed of it. It's like, I was trying to go for something that would be really Jesus shit. Christ, I mean, is that, does it qualify as a cocktail or what? What is it? Uh, uh, yeah, sangria, it's like, it's like fruity red wine or something. I don't know. We're completely on Fucking hell, that's <laughs> fucking launching, wasn't it? I'm going back in for another one. After I taste exactly how banging it is, like. 5%? That's the first, shit. The first thing I'll check for. I know, <laughs> I'm surprised about it. Richter scale. Five percent, that's shit. I thought we were... I should have brought... We'll leave the danger glass down here. I should have fucking brought uh, ginger wine or something. I have my double chocolate stout here, you know. Oh shit, oh yeah. shit. Keep talking. The only dangerous thing about that there is you're going to keep buying more. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you <laughs> use the bottles maybe? That's it, eh? One, one's too many, twenty's not enough, just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, we'll get on day one of what we watched this week. Mm. Who, have you watched a film this week? Uh, well, I didn't watch any films until this morning, because I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm all week. Nice. So I didn't really watch it when it first came out. So I watched uh, a, f- a Canadian film set in the Congo called War Witch, right. but in French it's called Rebel. And he's wanting to know what's about. Uh, first time on the show, by the way, Colin. <laughs> He's learned his trade. But uh, no, it's about, a, it's about a girl. She's like ten years old, and this these rebels uh, storm the. He's, he's listening or what? Sorry. Fucking chat among each other. Like Mickey says, I'm breathing under my. I know. Hard. I can hear. <laughs> I can hear you breathing. That's what Tony did there, baby. What do you call it? I, I feel like there's a beast behind me just waiting to attack. <laughs> <laughs> Just a word chapter there, I think. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, we were just. Right, okay, sorry. Yeah, Grant. Uh, so it's about like a. She's around 10, this girl, and uh, a big group of rebels storm their wee village, kill most of the people there, but they they want to obviously keep some of them to sort of join their forces and they make they make her shoot her Amanda in front of her, or and if she doesn't, then he'll he'll kill them with a machete. So she she takes them out, like punches the own picket, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she joins she do, she joins. It's called the 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 Great Tiger. It's like a rebel group. The Great Tiger is this boy who what was I saying? Jeez, I don't know. But he it's called War Witch because they start drinking this milky sappy shit from a tree, which is hallucinogenic. Right. She starts seeing these sort of ghost figures and she's two of which are ma- her man da and it's sort of like that she can sense when the enemy's coming 
so it's a sort of a superstitious kind of thing going on and so the great tiger wants to keep her as his witch you know so they can they can know when they're about to get Aye. you know fucked up so is it sort of quite paranoid the film now um no it's not it's actually sort of a apart from the all the killing scenes it's sort of pretty tame no it's just a sort of quiet almost poetic kind of moving thing really? and what's the shot like a well shot or uh, just does the job basically it's sort of yeah. your standard uh, not really documentary but just fast moving is it handheld or hand set up all handheld more or less I think yeah, it's good uh, I watch it because like usually what I do for if, I, if I'm stuck for a film to watch I go on the Rotten Tomatoes Aye. and look at the all their top reviewed films like the hundred from like 90 to 100 mm. percent just as i so no not really completely waste my time <laughs> it's, it's hard to know <laughs> what they watch but it's good it's good definitely uh, yeah. um not it's same thing that i have with most films that it's you know i like it but it's not it doesn't really blow me away like it takes on it's special i don't know i was hoping that because it was about a girl i always i always like films that follow like younger Character yeah. around where it's yeah, seen you, from like a young person's perspective. You like the four hundred blows, isn't it? Four hundred blows. I like. In fact, my, t- my topic, my topic today was going to be about what really hits you off emotionally, and for me, it's it's scenes with something that happens to a child. I don't, and I don't know why it really get you know it gets me sort of emotional, but uh. it's you know it's the children thing. It's sort of cool. It does the thing, doesn't it? Aaron. Yeah. How have you watched? Uh, <laughs> I watched. Uh, I'm tempted to say one, but I didn't see all of one of them. I didn't. I, I watched JFK because I'm ready to watch for ages, and then I, I caught most of it. But it was on <coughs> really, really, really late, so I didn't get all of it. So That's I can't. A very long film, isn't it? JFK. It is. I uh, but from what I've seen, I really liked. Um, but I, I, I didn't see all of it, so I can't really say yet. You know. Okay. Well, no, you can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> well, I'll say something quickly about JFK, which is interesting. There was an old lecturer of mine, and uh, he said when he was, he's an American, and when he was editing a film of his, I'll do this, do this very quickly, um, he was saying that it's the same place that he was editing, uh, Oliver Stone happened to be editing, and there was just, you know, he was surrounded by, you know, 10 people or something, they were coming in, and at the time, uh, he was doing something that was seen as quite uh, revolutionary, where he was using... You know, Super 8, 16 mil, 35. He was using all these different formats of footage, and he was uh, he was trying to have them post convert them, they match them. So you would have different grains throughout the film, but you did you probably did a like a 35 mil transfer then after, which of course now is completely different because you just you know most people just put filters on it to create that kind of thing or you know drop frames and this kind of stuff, which which is sad. I just find interesting that it was revolutionary, but now is going to be fairly much redundant because it's probably too expensive. But anyway, what I actually did watch and see from start to finish at the end uh, was uh, Rain of Fire with uh, oh, <laughs> Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey. Dragons. Aye. I started watching that one time and just I think I fell asleep within like five minutes of it. Do you, do you know what it was, right? And you know what definitely just attracts me to the, the films generally? Uh, it wouldn't matter. Well, it probably would matter if the story was shite and this kind of thing and all, but it was just um, the fact that mostly they use real locations and they use sets and they really designed that the only thing that's really cga is the dragon 
or the dragons yeah. and it was just you know even even the fire coming out of it that was you know it was a mixture of of real vfx and it was a mixture of of you know oh, computer really? effects and so that's what that's what i really liked about it you know there was a there was a definite you know what would you say a very realized kind of world and that, that's what kind of maybe watch all of it that's what maybe i really like it how did you choose rain of fire to watch it was on tv i was fucked over i seen it and then christian bale doing a, a cockney accent which he never does and mcconaughey you can't put a you can't put a bit of mcconaughey <laughs> of an evening like you know and uh no it was just cool and it was just a, it was definitely sort of a throwback kind of actually definitely a 2000 sort of action film that if you were a bit younger you would have went to cinema day on a saturday and i just never managed to see it uh, so watch it no i actually really enjoyed it yeah. you know it's not it's not a, a great film i'd like, say it's uh would you watch it again though I don't know. Uh, maybe they study something in it or something about yeah. sets or something, or they they get atmosphere because like there's very it's very overcast and a lot of the sets are quite dark. You know the sky is bright but it's overcast and there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting light in it and uh, there's a Bond girl in it as well. The the girl Natasha from uh, Goldeneye. Goldeneye, yeah, she's in it as well. Yeah. She's a pilot, but. Um, no, I just liked it. I felt I just thought it was a good film. I thought it was really well realized, and it was a good pop film. And they don't. I think the, the main thing that attracted me as well is, is that you had Christian Bale and you had Jared Butler with their own accents, and then you had Jared Butler in it. He's in it. He's sort of second to Christian Bale in it, and then uh, you had McConaughey, who was an American. But it was just, you know, it starts off this dragon thing starts at the start of the film, and then they show a passing of time of years about how these dragons sort of they couldn't find out how to kill them or make them extinct and so the dragons became the dominant species and so all these people have to hide out in these wee sort of you know castles or fortresses or this kind of thing and uh it was just i just thought it was really cool i, d- I enjoyed it i'd say it's a, a saturday night at about half six joe <laughs> is it like is it sort of a retelling of a, a classic story or i don't I, there was definitely some something about it that felt very old school very simple old school uh, and it was a lot, a lot of really good character development on it too and I mm. uh, not all the characters were quite vivid on it and yeah. and you know you just wanted to see their relationships like I mean Christian Bale and McConaughey sort of head off if, you know have a, a few face offs a few times like but uh, I know it was interesting like that, so. cool uh, I watched Wish I Was Here this week the Zach uh, Braff film is it good no, <laughs> no. It's well. It, it's well, it's falling off from it, your topic, your Kickstarter topic, a few weeks ago. Man. I know. Like if if I had given to that Kickstarter, I would be disappointed in the film. Yeah. I'm already disappointed in the film. Like, and I, it's um. It's like we're saying as we get, you have to ensure that it's I, gonna be like good. It, it has, but you never know. He like, has a bigger know. responsibility to make a good. Yeah, because they paid for it twice as you would have <clears> said. I. But it's like uh, you have. You have <laughs> You have Mandy Patinkin, he's great in it, and uh, the girl that plays his daughter, oh, what's her name, Joey King, I think, and she's just she's just a kid uh, actress, like she's done a few things. She's really good, and... Uh, it's actually really nice, we're a bit ice now. <laughs> oh, it's cool down a bit now. <laughs> it's actually right now. But, uh, aye, and Josh Gad's in it as well, he plays his brother, and Shan, me and Shan were talking about it earlier in the week, and he, he pointed out that the whole brother storyline could be completely taken out of the film and it wouldn't change it, which is true, but I like seeing... Josh Gad was really good on it, you know, but yeah. I he was completely dismissible. Yeah. But the bi- the biggest problem with the film is just Zach Braff's character just comes off as a bit of a dick. Do you know when it's in the trailer, right? Do you know in Garden State? I'm sure you do because we've seen Garden State about a million times. Yeah. Do you know the guy that was? Have you seen Garden State? Mm-mm. Well, there's a guy because it's 
he comes back to his hometown and this kind of thing because his, his mother passed and this kind of stuff and uh they keep meeting all these old high school friends and stuff and there's just one point where they go to the, the hardware store and then oh, yeah. uh, the boys the boys in the permit scheme is all uh do you i, I can't remember exactly what he's yeah have you ever thought about whatever that is I, all? I should get your number i should get your <laughs> all so have you ever thought about this I know I do. So, uh, you know, it's like he's just flicked a switch and a salesman mode. I actually think when I watched the trailer first, I kind of thought that he was taking it from that character. It was very similar from what the trailer, what I, what I could see, the Zach Braff character. No, it's, it kind of does nearly feel like a continuation of Garden State, but just he turns into a dick. <laughs> Cause, hmm. no, cause, uh, is he stupid or is he an no, asshole? No, Zach Braff's character, he's a struggling actor, but he, and his wife, Kate Hudson, does this dead end job to support the whole family right and then he says and it's like oh well she supports my dreams and all here and so like he's basically contributing nothing to the family and they have two kids and his Zach Braff's dad played by Mandy Patinkin was paying for the private education of, of his kids right but he but then he gets sick so he can't pay for it anymore so instead of Zach Braff wising up and getting a job to pay for the school he decides to homeschool him instead and it's just, he just comes off as a bit of a dick because he's being selfish about, oh, it's all about him, basically, and the whole family's just geared towards him wanting to be an actor. Mm. And in the end in the end up of it as well, he, never, he doesn't really actually learn anything. Like, nothing really changes about the character that yeah. makes him wise up. It's like, he still kind of goes about and does the same thing. Uh, what else is that graph in? Scrubs. Uh, oh, the main boy? She yeah. Scrubs, yeah. Oh. <clears throat> he wrote it and directed it as well. Yeah. He wrote and directed Garden State so as well. It's actually sort really of playing similar kind of. No, no. Well, you see, that's another thing. It's it feels a very mixed mash of a film as well because you have these like deep emotional beats, like with, that's with his dad and all, which actually do connect and it works. But then you have these weird kind of comedy bits that just they kind of just are really stark and just come out of nowhere. Like Garden State had humor to it. But it did have it, the it did have the the stark bits too. But they were they were they were very sure footed. I think. Ah, you, you see, that's like there's there's a button which I was here where Zach Braff is waiting outside, uh, his dad's hospital room to go and see him, and an old rabbi is coming out because yeah. he's, he's Jewish and so, and uh, the old rabbi gets on a Segway and then drives him to a wall. And it's just it's right one it's not funny and two it just kind of comes out of nowhere like and it's just mm. it's just kind of you like he's about to go on and talk to his dying dad like you know what I mean well I suppose I mean there are it's just strange it's just too abstract I mean because what, probably what that's doing he's probably trying to you know I imagine why someone would put that scene in somewhere like you know it's a rabbi maybe saying it's dated and then he's on a segue it's ironic and so it's not you know in the modern but world it, that's why it and it crashes on their wall that's why it doesn't no no but I suppose that's what he's probably trying to say, but it just sticks out like a sore thumb you were saying. Uh, yeah. like there's a few bits, like there's a masturbating scene as well, and it's just it comes out of nowhere like like this. Why? Well, <laughs> there's not enough masturbation scenes in the film. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it seems but to come out of nowhere. It was it was the w- it was the weirdest kind of masturbation. He was standing up doing it over a desk. So what do you see? Do you see his cock? No, you see his ass. Do you fucking see anything? <laughs> <laughs> What do you want to see? Like? I don't want to see his cock, but like I want to see, you know, if you're going to show you it. You see his whole ass, like. But that's, that's another but thing. People, he had tr- his I, but like, wait, 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 do you see, like, you know, uh, 
a woman's breasts and like a vagina film and like I, they never show. Did you that. say a woman's breast in a vagina film? <laughs> <laughs> no, but so I, I wish I had said it in a vagina film. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like you know, on, and I was I was wasn't fucking. <laughs> I'm not really saying tits in a fucking <laughs> vagina film. <you> know? <laughs> no, but it's, it is that thing though. I mean, that, that that's definitely one thing it needs to be. I'm not saying I just want I want to see fucking like swinging in every film I will go watch like, but I just no. I want. <laughs> there definitely has to be. I want to see one cock before it ain't a film. Like now we're doing. What shame! Man. That's why. Like, remember no, what I but watched. It's just, there's definitely there is definitely an inequality there. But like, when you see dreamers, that, you see it's a, like the dreamers is brilliant. You yeah. see normal people doing like normal young people doing. I fucking probably think oh more young people. Hey, get more young people here. Fucking dicks and fucking but that. <laughs> but the way they deal with sex and everything and that is like, it's totally just the way it happened. I'm not afraid to show it. It's very white, like, but no, it's no, still no. it's still sort of right. strange when you see it. Because when I watch right. it, I thought, "Fuck, it's mad that you see all that." But I, it's th- I think they shoot it like the way you know. It was uh, I was at a conference one time, and I just went to see Peter Mullen. You know, he directed uh, Magdalene Sisters, and he was in Braveheart and all. And uh, he was saying that Danny Boyle has a style that's called like a sort of the harsh style, where he doesn't cut. Because cutting kind of. You know, mm. employs like a sort of a oh you're on there or you know you you yeah. you can you can kind of be on this the 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 same plane or the same plane of emotion as as you know the people in it. Whereas, in the dreamers, they don't use the cuts so much that it's like long takes. So it's mm. just it's showing you that, you know, if you don't like this, get out of the cinema because it's just saying this is what's going to happen. And better literally just shows you that stuff. I mean, the classic ones, the fucking butter and last time going Paris, like, but he just um, he just lets yeah. it happen, and it's just like take your out if you don't like it. You know, what's what's that? Is it irreversible? It has a like long, yeah, unbroken yeah. rape scene, and in the was it the first uh, first series of This Is England? You know the series that came out in Channel Four. Oh yeah, it's a really. Is it the? F- I think it might have been the second one. No, it's a f- I think it's the last episode of the first series, because uh, then the, the next season is in the sort of aftermath, and you see kind of what happens. I'm pretty sure it's the last episode of the first season. Yeah, you sure. It doesn't matter. But then anyway, it's just it's just like it's almost like a CCTV. It's up high it is, uh, in the room, and it's just comp- one take. And it's oh, it's hard one. Hey? It's absolutely fucking uh, yeah. mixed with sort of just really hyper hyper realistic acting and mm. just these characters. That you it's see that harsh like. thing where they don't cut; they just leave it on a wide, and you're like, "There's nothing you can do." This fucking uh, you know. Okay, we'll move on from there into news. Sorry about that. There. <laughs> It's a summary column on more wellies on cinema. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, in the news. <laughs> a trailer has been released for the program. The the uh about what do you call him? Lance Armstrong. Lance. Uh being played by Ben Foster. Mm. And Chris O'Dowd's in it and the other people that I can't remember. <laughs> Why'd you think of the trailer? It's like your typical song that comes out these days, I think. <laughs> on, well, on. I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, it's going to be, I would say, I mean, well, it's not going to be controversial because I think the controversy is over. I think we'll just be a, a bit of wankery about people going, oh, no, you didn't get that right, that's right, and I shall fuck up, it's a film. But well, it's, it's an interesting story. It though, is an interesting story. I think it'll be know. interesting how they look at it. <clears throat> they just kind of paint him as a pure villain, quotation marks, of... Because he was doping on air, or I think did no. they actually bring up the aspect of that he was a kind of hero for people because he did have cancer and then went on to yeah. win all these championships? See, it's Stephen Frears, right? One thing Stephen Frears has definitely done, uh, and and say three films he's done in The Queen, in 
Philomena and on how Fidel it is, he, he does direct imperfect characters, but he doesn't ever really answer the questions. He just he just those he leaves he leaves the questions there for you to answer. And I think I think it's a really good choice of a director, Stephen Frears like. Yeah, that that sounds ideal for what Lance Armstrong is in. Aye. The only thing is Ben Foster's hair looks really stupid enough, I don't know why. Ben Foster is a fucking good actor. Ben Foster's a tremendous actor. It's just there's something about I don't know, it's 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 like it's too black. The hair's too black or something. It should be a bit brown or something. I don't know. I think it's, it's just because he like you're not used to it, seeing I, him I was thinking like, that myself too, like, but I just seen the trailer. But it's just like it just looks like somebody put boot polish in his fucking head. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It does look good as Lance, Lance Armstrong. And when he's wearing a helmet, that was all fuck. It actually does look like Lance Armstrong. You know. But um, what was I gonna say? Yeah. No, I heard a, I heard an interview with Peter Berg who directed Lone Survivor. Mm. And, Ben Foster's on that, and he was telling a story that about how he, uh, committed Ben Foster as these roles, and Lone Survivor, they were, like, all, they were army men, like, kind of on the run, trapped and all this here. Or was and that Mommy Marky Mark, the one, uh, what is it, the He was the only one to survive. <clears throat> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, no. P- Peter Berg No, we've seen the trailer for it, and you're all, what the fuck? I was like, right to see it. Well, we're in the cinema. It was sounding like he was about to... I think it was some play on the fact that there were suicide bombers in the film. And it was just all, you can die for my, my, you can die for your country, but I'm going to live for mine. Oh, and you, I remember you just going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, we, that's the ritual for any time I go to cinema. I just spent, sit at the back. Saying Jesus Christ, what the <laughs> fuck is that supposed to be at, at uh, all the trailers? Uh, <laughs> my eyes are burning, dude. <laughs> eyes, ears, <laughs> fucking cocks. <laughs> but <laughs> Peter Berg was saying that the Mark Wahlberg turned turned around to him one day. He was all <laughs> Pete. He was all uh, uh, what's his name again? Uh, ben Foster. Ben's eating dirt again. Apparently, <laughs> you would just grab handfuls of dirt and just start eating it. They'd like try and experience what they went through or something and just try and make himself more. Did rougher. they actually eat dirt babs out there? Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, that's what he did. It was. He's just really committed to yeah. his fucking characters. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> um, Chris Hemsworth has joined the new Ghostbusters film. The the one where it's all female Ghostbusters. And so he's joining as the receptionist. Mm. Who's Chris Hemsworth? Thor. Thor. And like Thor. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's Thor. So I think Thor. They, they must be. I mean, because the if they're going, it, it must be they're trying. They must be trying to do like a really, hopefully a really mad opposing, uh, character part for him. If they're making the receptionist as silly as they were in the old ones, then. Well, who's playing the Ghostbusters? Uh it's Melissa McCarthy and. Yeah, uh, bridesmaids. You've seen Bridesmaids. I can't remember. Much well, what I was going to say about Chris Hemsworth anyway is that <laughs> Chris Hemsworth can he's really, he's really funny. Like he's funny in, in Thor and in the Avengers. Uh-huh. But uh, there's that new film coming out, the new vacation film, and from the trailer and that air, what the he looks really, or something, you know? I, uh, he's he's playing cousin something. Or something. Right, right, right. But uh, you see him in the trailer, and he just he looks hilarious in the trailer, like. Uh-huh. And, I'm just excited to see him do more comedy stuff. Really. Why? I think no, I he, I, he needs to shake a few things at the moment. I think he's, he's, you know, 
sort of action action really ethereal and he is a good actor so definitely something I, well he's th- he's doing stuff like rush and he has that he's that, great in rush uh, i thought he was tremendous in rush like. as well i'm not i don't like a look what fucking moby dick film here no well they <laughs> <laughs> you're just thinking cocks aren't you <laughs> i'm just, <you're> just, <laughs> I'm just, just, just thinking no i'm just thinking i like i actually don't know probably 80 percent of the names and films you're <laughs> Great, they have you here, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I, t- I told you before, before I agreed. If you're talking about anything after 1900, sorry. <laughs> um, one more thing in the air was, I just, I just don't want him to be kind of like just the beefcake in it, like just all the Ghostbusters are kind of wanting to bang him or anything. Like that. I, I don't think it's, it'll go that way anyway. But I'm just kind of scared that there, there's two there things. Might be it's it's going to be like you a, know. He's just this tight shirt wearing kind of guy, and just all, oh, which which is really obvious, really stupid, and potentially quite annoying to watch. Aye. I think it'd be I'd good if they geek him up a wee bit and make him a bit mad, and the Aye. fact that he's huge, it would just that'd be quite funny, in my yeah. opinion. Like, I know I don't think they will go that way. I think Paul Feig has a crew, like so. <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, I'm just a bit worried about it. It's not cute enough at night, like so. You know. <laughs> Me. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Uh, a new Martian trailer. Ridley, Ridley Scott's film, Matt Damon on Mars. It's too soon after Interstellar. Nobody's going to watch it. You think? Yep. Definitely. I watched Interstellar recently on a plane. Again. And I was sort of half getting the mood for a while, and then I saw Michael Caine. I thought, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and I, th- I saw fucking what's his name. <laughs> Fucking Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Thought, oh, here we fucking go again. <laughs> I, r- I really don't like Matt and Damon. And then that trailer, and I never even heard, heard about it, but then it's Matt Damon and your woman, who's also in Interstellar. Who's, who's good? She's really good in Theo Dark Thirty. Uh. But I, I'm just, I can't buy big actors anymore. I can't really get o- past uh. it. As, as, I don't know, espe- especially in things that, films that have themes that are potentially really unique Aye. not that this film the martian looks like it's gonna be any special it's at a, it's all a but real it's problem like because like wh- why matt damon again i mean i've got nothing against him but well, he's not even a lead in it like it's it, or he's, he wasn't a lead in interstellar but you know what i mean there is that straight up uh, association uh, which, which sort of makes it more annoying that you know he just comes up out of this fucking hypersleep thing you, you can't so why does it have to be matt damon i but at least the yeah Interstellar or the Martian you talking about Interstellar Interstellar but he, at least with Interstellar they they kind of tried to hide the fact Matt Damon was in it so they weren't they didn't have him yeah he's not like he's not on the credits or anything or, uh, I don't know but it's just most people are like, oh there's Matt I Damon I know, I know oh that, that, geez, that's I what everybody does. And, and then you have to tune back in the phones oh what the fuck's going on I know I don't take you out of it I was like where's Jason Bourne in space bye <laughs> and no, the same way that's where he's been during the bar aye, aye, he's aye, he's, he swam off <laughs> the fucking Mars <laughs> but uh, no what do you want to the thing is right it, it is that it is definitely going to be that thing of it's not a franchise of Interstellar but it's going to have the same thing as franchise fatigue with like you know Spider-Man happening this kind of thing these big massive space films when they don't happen for a long time and they come out they're big massive events and it's actually it's a funny thing in Ridley Scott's career. It's happened a few times where he has made a film a few years after, or he's been handed a film a few years after there was a big massive success. Like I mean, we we spoke about Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. Like he got given that, 
which was a film that was to be about you know the foundations of modern religion, this kind of thing, and the director's cut is brilliant. But they wanted another Troy, and that's why he was given that. It was another Troy. They wanted to follow up the Troy, and I feel like this is happening now because Ridley Scott's a competent director. It's after Interstellar, and they want another thing. And not only that, just thinking about the voiceover now in that trailer, it's it's almost identical. You know, the tone of it and the feeling like uh, mankind and all is here and people, you know, it's the same as the trailer voiceover for Interstellar. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, re- it's, right. it's like annoyingly similar. I know, I know you kind of pointed it out and just trying to and replaying it over and there. But uh, what I liked about the trailer though and what I'm hoping most of the film will actually be is the parts we just Matt Damon on his own uh, doing the video log uh, thing. See, and just that line where he says, I'm going to have to science the shit out of it. Uh, I just thought that was funny. Like, uh, and yeah, if, if most of the film is just him on his own, just trying uh, to survive. That's I think annoying as well. Because it's sort of, you know, they're trying to deal with scientific issues. And then he says something like that, which is sort of their way of trying to make science accessible. And make it hip and cool. And cool. When it already is, obviously, uh, if you actually learn real things about it. it. And the same with Interstellar. Uh, where it sounds like Jeremy Clarkson wrote that line, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh well, I liked it. But Interste- <laughs> oh, in- Interstellar, <laughs> you know, it, it dealt with uh, fairly complex things in physics and uh, oh, yeah, cosmology. They, they but out, but like, they, the way they deal with sort of telling the audience was, you know, uh, what's his name? What do you call the main bloody McConaughey? He sort of brought in, and he doesn't seem to actually know what the hell is going on in it, and. They have to but explain that, to no, him as that, a way to explain that, to the audience. That's a no, standard that, thing with no, their scripts. No, but that makes so, sense in you know. Interstellar because he's just like a pilot. So he I doesn't know, but know they the would never. Exactly, he's just a pilot. He doesn't know, actually know anything about... But, I mean, this, this, is, a, what, this is a common uh, uh, strand and a common problem, I think, with some Nolan films is they do spend too much time in ex- uh, exposition, especially the Batmans. Batman's really guilty for it. But that there is, I mean... I know it's sort of panned under your audience a wee bit, but they could they could have definitely give you enough to kind of go, what exactly does that mean? And now I'm interested. I'll just go find out what that means, and we'll give you, you know, just, I mean, give your audience some credit is what I'm trying to say. Aye, but, Aye, but wait, like say like with the prestige people kind of lashed out that it it did like over explain kind of what it eventually happened at the end of the prestige. Yeah. But then it he seemed like he went the, the other way then with his inception <coughs> and kind of tried to. Inception's his best film. He didn't over-explain the whole actual yeah. dream mechanics well, of it. Like, like, he just kind of had No, but that's, that's why I like Inception the most that is best. It's definitely his most competent, his most confident, and it just, it doesn't, it doesn't have any of that sagginess that Batman had, and that's why I think it's his best film. Yeah. I know, I might say it's his best yeah. film as well. But just another thing on Ridley Scott as well, is the problem with him sort of getting handed these films after is that potentially Ridley Scott might make a better film potentially because Kingdom of Heaven the director's cut I think is a better film than Troy the only reason that, that it probably got funded is because Troy did so well and Troy is nowhere near as good a film as the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven but I think he might actually make a better film but no, I don't think anybody's going to go watch it because they're burnt out and they're still there right? like ah fucking all these ones nah Let's go watch the red, but, red but five. A lot show. of people liked Interstellar, and then they they see something similar, and they all thought, "Go see that." Like, yeah, ah, well, you never know. Like, I mean, I could be wrong. Could be completely wrong about that. But, it, but I'm definitely not. <laughs> well, <it does> look, <laughs> I, I mean, remember when the first images came out? Like me and you were talking about it. It, it could have just been a snapshot from Interstellar, just uh, made, like an orange. They shot all the space stuff on the Interstellar sound stages. <laughs> no, I fuck it. 
Two for one. <laughs> well, my fuck. I can use your. Can we use your fucking flukes fucking thing? We fucking thing. Aye, Chris. Just. Oh, we'll, we'll paint it a different aye. color. You'll be that. No one else. Here's a here's a land. I am fucking space ships as well. Just oh. we're doing a couple of scenes on Saturday. Just don't don't bet, don't bet that kid. Like, here's that fucking space hopper, whatever you call it. Any wormholes near script is there? Aye. Have I got three wormholes in ours? Aye. Well, we got fucking six on ours. Um, we'll, we'll move on the topics now. So who wants to go first on their topics? Uh, never that I mind. Will we uh let the guest go I, first? Guest goes first. All right. Yeah, um. Well, mine is just about what your memorable moments in cinematography are, so which so that can be certain shots from films that you really like, or just the cinematography generally in a in a whole film. Or cinematographers, you like just you know really broad, just something that involves the word cinematography, basically. <laughs> basically, <laughs> not but like a shot that you thought, you know, it could be like a shot that you thought that shot told the story far better than four lines of dialogue. I mean, it could be just a moment that strikes you where you know that's really good shooting. Yes, Colin, that is exactly <laughs> yes. Um, well, so, something that came to my free when I first when you first said about uh, the memorable cinematography was the scene in There Will Be Blood where the the, the oil rig's on fire. Yep. Oh, it's not an oil rig, what do you call it? I guess the, he hasn't seen that film. Well, what, <laughs> what do you call the big oil thing? Is it an oil I think rig? it's an oil rig. Oh, well, okay. It's an oil an oil, it's an an oil, oil drill. Oil spout, right? Fucking, it's, it's an oil tap. <laughs> it's like a beer tap because it gives you oil. But I, when, when, when that like, explodes and it's on fire and it's just Diana Day-Lewis is, is just still looking at it and you can tell that just that oil burning means more to him than anything else. Yeah, yeah. And you just see the devastation of the big fire up and just him standing there. It's just a really stark image that kind of stood mm, out to me. Mm, mm. There's lots, hey. There's so many. I mean, we, uh, if we can do a thing and each of us have a few films to talk about, there's so many I would love to talk about. Well, I mean... Hey, talk away, whatever mm, you want. I but mean, but what is it that you... Is there a certain type of thing that you like that cinematographers do? To me, to me, it's all, you know, because, I mean, not that whatever, but us two are cameramen, myself and, well, all three of us are cameramen. We've all worked oh, together thank, and this kind of thing. No, but <laughs> I, I would say, I've seen you doing camera work in ages, like, so I just, I forgot, sorry, but I, no, all three of us have worked as cameramen and just, you know, suppose it's, after, I think, when you, when you write a film and when you get it rehearsed and you get it acted and this kind of thing and all, I think... It's when you come down to the the cinematography. I think that's I really think that's where the the film's made, where the atmosphere is created, and this kind of thing. And, and the type of cinematography I like is, uh, oh, geez, I, I like some for different reasons, but motive motive is the main thing for me. It's just like actors talk about this thing called, uh, you know, what's the action in this scene? You know, what what what? Where is my character now? Where is he at the end? What is my action? How do I get there? And sometimes it's down to one line. You know, your action can be to manipulate, to reveal, to do this. And I think cinematography and shots should think exactly the same way as an actor. But can you think of... Can you notice when that happens, though? Or Yeah. Scorsese is perfect for it. Like Scorsese has... And, and David Fincher as well. They're both they're really, really good at it. They're both... One, they're great dramatists. And they're, they're great uh, visual directors as well. I think... I mean, we were having a conversation about this before. Mm. But I think... Brenda Palmer's too much style, whereas John Cassavetti is just heavy drama. Whereas I think Scorsese is like the match between both of them, you know. Uh, well, sometimes if like 
what you might be describing as cinematography might actually be more of a director's choice. Well, it's, still a that, it's still a choice. Cho- uh, no, no, the no, choice but shots. The but, but I mean, shot choices. You know that's that <laughs> shot. Then taxi driver was on the phone, and the mm. camera suddenly moves, moves out. To, yeah. I mean that's, I mean it's ama- it's an amazing sort of moment, and you know what the hell's going on. Mm. But that's more of a director thing, I think. Then obviously the cinematographer is always involved in uh, mm. any shots, but like, but then different things like I love really long unbroken takes mm. which sort of seems to be You're a bit more fashionable now because of Lebetsky and mm. Birdman and Gravity Children of Men but there's something about you know we are talking earlier about if I you, still if think if it's you, too flashy if, if you want I to th- if you want to heighten the emotion or make something seem more even more dramatic or more harsh than cutting they're doing a, a, a shot that cuts all that and take away from that so that's what I really like about long shots is that it's just well, you really and and then you say that it could be flashy, like maybe it sort of is. Obviously, like Birdman is draws a bit of a trick. itself sometimes, which can take you out of the scene. That's the only thing. But cutting sort of does that for me. It sort of t- it sort of distracts me. It depends how well you move. Like I mean, if like do you know? Because I was watching a video essay today about Kurosawa. Uh, it's a, it's it's a brilliant uh, video essayist. Uh, and he's on YouTube, and it's called Every Every Frame of Painting. He he does some great video essays, but he does one on Kurosawa, and I was watching it today, and it was um. But he, I think it depends how well you move within the scene. Because Kurosawa always moves on uh motion, so if somebody stands up, and the next shot he stand up, or or you know he turns his head, and the next shot you know he uses the movement of the actors to make it all seamless, yeah. and he's very good at that. Like mm. you know, and I think that's. I mean, cotton can be useful for that. If you don't see it, then it, it's good. Like, and, and the problem with very, very good cinematography, I think the better it works, the more it's taken for granted. And that's why sometimes I think Scorsese people don't think Scorsese is as good as what he is. Yeah, but so I know what you mean. It's sort of like an, an editor's job in a way is to not make people think that there's edits happening. Aye. But maybe cinematography can be different. That you know you. It's okay to notice it sometimes. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, example of film, one of my favorite films where I do notice it is is this assassination of Jesse James, where it's noticeable. But I but I love the fact it's noticeable. Mm. I just I really really. But enjoy it. as cameramen, like we would pick up on things anyway. Aye. But no, but even like that's a film like my dad would watch or something and just be oh geez, that's fucking beautiful looking there. That's that's a really good shot and this kind of yeah. thing. And he would even notice it. But I don't think in a situation like that, I don't think it takes me out of the film. I think because there. You know, what the film definitely addresses is the legendary status of Jesse James, the almost mythical elements to him. And the music is like a lullaby. It's sort of, it, it's it's way above uh, the dialogue. It's not quite heavy. It's just above it like a lullaby. Mm. And so the cinematography is quite dreamy as well. And it's quite, you know, there's a lot of silhouettes and there's a lot of, you know, it's very, very kind of mythical. And I think in that, in that sense as well, that type of cinematography is perfect for that film. But in another sense, that kind of cinematography was using like, uh, you know, uh, Road to Perdition, and I, and I just find it just that wee bit too noticeable in Road to Perdition. I think Road to Perdition is too harsh a film for it to be, you know. Yeah, that sort of that strict or something, or mm, mm. perfect, yeah. Any thoughts, Mickey? Uh, <clears throat> well, I was just thinking when you were on about uh, that you really like long shots and stuff like that, and how it can, like, build up the drama or whatever. <clears throat> it made me think of the like so, so well children man has a few long shots on it, but the one where there's the explosion out in the street and then he's 
Clive Owens like that's, running away from that's all. the I got, mm. that, my, that's my favorite that's at the start yeah that's that's probably my favorite that's amazing right? that's my favorite part of yeah, the and, film actually and that it's like even the dirt going on the camera and stuff and all aired it just adds a lot of uh, drama and kind of it just brings you more into it and yeah. it, like if if there was cuts in that it, it, as you were saying it's like it would take you out of it but as well with the cinematography of it uh well more specifically maybe the it would be the cameraman but with shots like that it's kind of the cameraman making the decisions mm. more because you can plan it out as best you can mm. but if you're doing big picks like that you, mm. like there needs to be decisions made on Aye. the fly kind of there's, yeah. a, <clears throat> there's a thing that happens like uh, they call like it's not necessarily seen as a long take but uh, Spielberg uses a lot again it's it's something that I've picked up from every frame of painting but uh, he talks about the Spielberg oneer, where in one shot you know because uh, what a lot of people associate with a long take is you pretty much have the same frame on an actor the whole time as you're moving through the scene but you're just following them you're following what's going on but what Spielberg uses a long take for like say for example in you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, <clears throat> where I'll go from a wide and then over the shoulder and then a two shot and then a close up whatever yeah. and then do the shot and whatever and he'll do all this he'll, he'll actually cover five or six shots in the one go and that's that's the way he would use a slightly longer take like did that in Tintin as well <coughs> that uh, sequence in Tintin was, <coughs> was it they're trying to get the piece of paper is it with a bicycle I I know I Tintin's on like a motorbike, but they're they're splits and all on the, on the wire and all that there. Aye, ah, because I, have, I haven't seen that like because uh, I love Tintin the I really the cartoon. Tintin. You think it's worth watching? I eh? I definitely I really enjoyed it, and mm. they're they're still trying to do a sequel to it. I think it's Peter Jackson's going to direct the sequel because he it's I see Peter Jackson produced the first one and Steven Spielberg directed, and I think they're swapping, they're swapping about the next one. And. uh what is it again? How do they do the animation? Is it like it's motion capture? Uh, it's like it's what they use for Gollum and stuff like that. There, except and it's a whole film. Basically, it's sort of fairly realistic looking artwork, Aye. isn't it? You know, it's I mean, the one thing. I Aye, well, I it's it looks like the way Ten Ten looked, but then it's really realistic movements and stuff. Yeah, it's probably rendered in a sort of Aye, real three D. Like there's some environment. some bits where you do kind of <coughs> forget that it's an animation sometimes, mm. but it's really short bits, and you're just kind of like, oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah, Anti Circus is really good in that as well. He's great, though. He's he's a serious innovator for that kind of stuff now. Like, yeah, I mean, like the leaps and bounds they've done. We, you know, it's mad. Even just thinking, I was just thinking about there now that he's in he's in King Kong as Kong, mm. but he's also one of the boys on the team. I wonder how. Is he? Ah, uh, he's one of he's a boy with Tommy Gun, the cigar and all. Oh, I haven't watched King Kong. Yet. And uh, what else? Like, I mean, his I think his company pretty much he set up the company because CGA uh, kind of became his thing, and uh, they they did the all the. All the CGI in Planet of the Apes, and then Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And he's uh, he's, di- he's, direct- the planet. he's directing a Jungle Book film as well. How's it? Aye. Aye, it's called Jungle Book Origins because uh, Disney's doing the ro- origins, origin Dis- stories. Dis- <laughs> Disney's doing uh, a Jungle Book live action one way John Favreau, but uh, Andy Serkis is doing one. But I'm not sure who it's with. Hmm. It might be Universal. But uh, it's called Jungle Book Origins, which I think is a terrible title. But I'm excited it's to bogging. see what Andy Serkis would do it. Like everything's called Origins these days. Yeah. I know it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder if there's like an Origins universe where everybody that you've ever done an Origins story can show up in it. So like Wolverine can show up in the Jungle Book and all, and then you just like make like the maddest version of the Avengers ever. Silent Hill as well. Fucking Silent Hill, right? Silent Hill Origins. There's a game called Origins. <laughs> oh okay. Mm-hmm. Silent Hill's got Simpsons. 
you know, fucking rapping. Like, that was the <laughs> only, even, even only though I was game. too scared to play PT. Like, <laughs> I know I didn't. I just watched about twenty different people playing it all the way through. But uh, I'm I know I have my I was so well, excited about that game. Yeah, I got stuck. But uh, yeah, here we'll move on to another topic. Do you want to go or I'll go? Uh, read it on the end. Uh, you go. Right. And then I'll go. Uh, my topic was just uh censorship because um, it was a thing I was watching. There's a friend of mine. Uh, I don't uh, believe uh, that. Uh, <laughs> you're not buying it. There's a friend of mine, Andrew, uh, Andy McClay. He's a uh, he's a combat fighter in Game of Thrones and Vikings. And uh, if you were watching last week's episode, uh, episode nine, is it? Of Game of Thrones, Aye. yeah, he was in it. They had a two-second shot. Oh, I saw it. the already. He was in it. It was uh, it was uh, this is a really cool story. Uh, it was when they're all coming down the hill in Game of Thrones, and there's a uh, like an insert shot of somebody shivering with like a cloak on their head, and kind of whatever. That's Andy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the whole thing started was because uh, they were they were on set, and uh, I think they had like four hundred extras, and it was sort of it was after a big battle, and I was here, and they, they sort of they weren't doing it exactly the way the director wanted it. I think Andy just because he's an actor as well. Uh, he just he was sort of saying to a few of them, "No, you need to be like shaking and kind of fucked up." Was that the one he was on about ages ago? That's the story he was on about oh, ages ago. Oh, right. And that's that it only. Uh, that's it only aired now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was. Did you say he works on Vikings as well. Works on Vikings, a combat fighter. I, he does long sword and axe. So. I I I just started watching Vikings. I say just started watching it. I watched uh, started watching it a few days ago, but I'm, but I'm halfway. All of it now. I'm halfway <laughs> through <laughs> the third series. Of it. <laughs> so, uh, has he ever been on that? No. He has, I know he's a, he's a fighter, like he's a, he's a, he's a combat fighter. Aye, but is he in the show or does he? Aye, well, aye. no, no, not as a character. I think, I, I think he, he might have got the odd line or the odd, he showed up, but this was the time on Game of Thrones that he sort of got, got a proper shot there himself. Like. I know, I just thought he might have got a bit more in Vikings because obviously it's a smaller show. Like. Aye, aye. But uh, what happened was anyway, he was sort of showing a couple of extras, you know, oh, I'll do this or, you know, maybe aye, a couple of directions for a few of them. And then I think the director called him over and he says, oh, what, what were you saying to the Edmonds anyway? And he was like, oh, I was just showing them a few things I thought might work, like sort of shivery, sort of, you know, this kind of thing. And so uh, part of the guy gets on the, the megaphone or whatever and just says, right, we're all going to watch Andrew walk from the topless hole to the bottom. And then when he's finished, he's all going to do it exactly the same as that. And it- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Jesus. So he did that, and then whatever, all the extras ended up fucking doing that, and then whatever happened, then I think just because Andy sort of you know we helped out or whatever this kind of thing, he says right, we'll get we'll get you a wee insert shot. Now it was just a wee profile shot of him, and the thing it's just that it shoots through the crowd, and you just see him sort of shivering and all. But uh, that's a cool story, like. 
Was that your topic? Or? It wasn't a topic, <laughs> no, but Andy, actually, funny as it happens, uh, we were watching Die Hard, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's Andy's favourite, Die Hard. Uh, my, I don't know, I'm sort of torn. The, the, actually, the first three are, I think, relatively untouchable. But I, I'm torn between one and three, personally. Uh, but uh, do you know what? When you come two back and watch two, 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 I mean, <laughs> if you took out the fact that it's Christmas and you took out like two characters that they crowbarred on from the first film, it actually... It was a good film. So you just, yeah, I can just forgive it. That it actually is a good film. It's a good, a good, good action film. Like, but you know what happened is, uh, me and Andy ended up sitting in one night uh, watching uh, what do you call it? Uh, Die Hard Three, because it was we just flicked over. It was on. I was all, that's my favorite Die Hard. <laughs> and so <laughs> we stuck it on anyway. And then I was, I was saying to him because uh, I said, there's something, there's something about Sky that they, they, they let the curses through. They, they let like the fully uncensored versions on TV and stuff. <laughs> excuse me and uh the thing is like the the video i bought when i was younger the vhs and the dvd that i've bought don't have these curses on it like for for example like uh what is it like uh one particular scene at the start when john mcclain has the sign on him and uh, it's saying i hate niggers and it's the scene where uh i no 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 i hate n-words what <laughs> i hate n-words I'm just. What, <laughs> it's what was on the fucking board, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but and Samuel Jackson's well, across just, the street. The, the N word is worse than nigger, though, isn't it? No, but I was just gonna say, saying I hate N words just make it sounds like you hate all words begin with N. <laughs> <laughs> I hate N words. I, I, but anyway, I, so it was just seen right where uh, he's, he's it's the start of the film and all, and he has that sign on him and all, and uh, it's just one of these things where. I said my Jackson's talking to me, John. They're like, "Yeah, you got about five seconds before they come across that, or uh, they they see you, and this is when they see you, they'll kill you." This kind of thing, and then uh, you just see a boy shout in the background, and on, the, on my VHS and on my DVD, all you hear is, "What the hell is that?" This kind of thing. Whereas actually, what they said was, "Oh, what the fuck?" And you hear that sounds gay. Oh, really? So I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, because I've seen it in a few R films as well. Because I I remember the first time I seen Lethal Weapon four, right? I remember uh, there was a scene where Jet Lee fucking strangles a boy with uh, beads on top of uh, the uh, rags. Beads, what? The anal beads. Anal beads, I Natch. But them, uh, them beads you get on the taxi man uh, fucking car seat. The hard they strangle him with fucking map the beads. Just that fucking set of rosary beads from tearing back at us. Develop you up all that. But uh, <laughs> what, uh, it's uh, the the boy they were chasing through Chinatown and all that there. He gets away, but then Jet Li catches him. And uh, I just remember seeing a scene when I was younger and feeling like it was a lot longer then because I bought the VHS and I bought the DVD. There must be, again, there must Did be... Did you play Lethal Weapon 4 twice? <laughs> Aye, because there was apparently an alternate ending, Lethal Weapon 2 on Lethal Weapon 4. Of course, I was a pilot ball, so there's an hour fucking six box down the tubes. Apparently, it's on the region one, doesn't matter. Anyway, so fucking... Uh, anyway, here's me buying all these Lethal Weapons. But I... <laughs> But uh, it was just this thing where I just, because uh, I started getting this in my head about Die Hard and all, and I says, right, if they're letting all these curses through, like, what, you know, what's the crack with that? And then, sure enough, when I flicked over, when Lethal Weapon 4 was on Sky, the scene where he scra- strangles him with the beads, on my on my old copies, it was cut down, but on Sky, they showed, like, it, it goes on a bit longer, and so it, you know, there's an extra shot in it, not out there, but they obviously must have cut that down for the when you buy it on DVD. But actually, I'm wondering where I've seen it the first time. I must have rented it. So was it uncensored from the rental? And then when you buy it, it's censored again or something? It's fucking weird what, what goes on. But right, I'll just wrap this up because this could potentially <laughs> get fucking really well, what, boring. What age uh, 
what was the rating for Lethal Weapon? 15. Lethal Weapon 4 is 15. So was Die Hard. It always was 15, even cinema release, sorry. I was always 15, eh? Die with Avengers was 15 as well. But do you go back to the, the scene you're on about in Die Hard with Avengers where he's wearing the the sandwich board that says, I hate niggers? Mm. <coughs> oh, fuck, I, I When they actually shot that, <laughs> it just said, I hate, and then a blank space because they were actually shooting it in like a, like a kind of black area of New York and they probably would have got shot at or something like that. <laughs> So uh, they in a film probably wouldn't have been too far from the truth. So they CGI it on then. Aye, they 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 put in the the niggers afterwards and post, but in in the censored version, like airplane version of the thing, <laughs> it just says I hate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think all all these like Samuel Jackson coming over and warning them, he's like. You're going to get shot for saying I hate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so when they see you, they will kill you. <laughs> Does that mean you hate me too? <laughs> you hate me too? But I, <laughs> because there's a dairy one, so I hate your ma. When he's loud, trying to bit the fuck out of John McClane, dude. But uh, another uh, one as well is fucking. Uh, because I, I had a, a piece on censorship because there's some fucking really funny mad ones. We were chatting about it the night. But, like, there's a mad one in uh, Scarface where he's all, uh, uh, he's talking about Miami and he's all, uh, this this whole city is like one big pussy waiting to be fucked. <coughs> but when they released it, he's all, uh, this is this city is like one big chicken just waiting to be plucked. <laughs> <laughs> there's another one, uh, what is all, uh, uh, the boy's off screen at the start because he has the scar. He's so like, where'd you get that scar, tough guy, eating pussy? And uh, what he says uh, on the, the censored one is, uh, where'd you get that scar, tough guy, eating pineapple? <laughs> and then, uh, there's, a, there's fucking stacks. There's, there's one from uh, Big Lebowski. That's the best one. He's like, this is what happens when you fuck people in the ass or something. Uh, and then he says, uh, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> 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 but he just says it over and over again. <laughs> the boy must have been having serious crack right <laughs> Definitely. But that's like Scarface is a good example of uh, how twisted and completely wrong way around they have the whole censorship thing that Scarface, not by today's standards, not one of the most violent films, but at the time it was. Mm. They're cutting yeah. all these fucking. I think it's every film seems saturated in blood, doesn't it? It's a very rare film, and then when blood comes out in that film, it's just it just has this fucking really foreboding thing. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, but, uh, but it, it sort of it still shies away from the the change. So scene, you know, it's a mad scene. I don't see the, it. The shot but just moves away. Aye. But then at the end, you know, it's just there's so so many people getting blown away left, right, and center, mm. which is grand apparently. <laughs> and it is grand. Like of course, I think you should be able to. Sh- aye, but they shy away from the bang. I don't know how to look. Aye, and the whole like aye, you can shoot people. Back there, there's no point. Well, aye, you can, you can, you can put a bullet in somebody, but uh, don't show them banging. Put no, a don't, don't be showing them at like. Put your someone, you know. Right? <laughs> well, that brings up the whole. P- <laughs> well, that brings up the whole thing of just ratings in general. Like, like a twelve A rating now, you can get away with a lot. Like, you can have hundreds of people. Dying as long as you don't see one drop yeah. of blood. See if you fine. see if you see a side <laughs> yeah. boob, fifteen. Fucking right. No, maybe not. Would you? Anybody not exaggerating? Or what? Or <laughs> no, exaggerating, you're you're allowed one fuck, as in the word fuck, not the action mm. fuck. Mm. Of uh, you're allowed one person saying fuck once in a twelve yeah. a film. 
And if there's any more than that, then it's 18. Do you know what I think about that? It's Pan's Labyrinth as well. It's a PG, and you see somebody get their head caved in with a bucket. Is that a PG? It's a fucking PG. What? I swear to fuck, I can believe it. Do you know what? That's a really brutal scene. I know. When he starts hitting them with a bottle. Is it a bottle? I thought I it was a bottle of a gun, but anyway, but thought, they, he basically smashes his head, and then you see the whole thing. Do you, do you know what? I just to go back to that here with a vengeance. Oh, I'm pretty a, sure I have that DVD somewhere in this house. It'll, say, it'll say PG. Nah, do check. But I pick up your iPad and check. See what it is. What it is. But I think about that here with a vengeance. Right? Light attacker. Nice. Oh, but uh, <laughs> it's one thing where where uh, John McLean threw out a couple of Die Hard films called Somebody Bonehead, right? Hmm. And in the actual original version of the film, he says fuckhead every time. So fuckhead's the actual actual catch, or not catchphrase, but the recurrent thing. Whereas to me, the only reason I started noticing this here was because I always, I always like, for some reason, bonehead, I always felt about nothing, about stupid. And I always thought that I had this whole story about, uh, oh, sure, has two kids and all, and uh, maybe it comes from whatever. And so instead of calling somebody fuckhead, he would call them bonehead, maybe mm. in front of the kids. And maybe it's just a... You know, it was like a, it was like a fallback, or it was like a, a thing that he created himself or something. And just that in itself had a wee story to me. And then when you find it, didn't even fucking well, say it. Well, they should have changed changed it to Yippee Kaye Muller Boner. Yeah, Muller Boner. <laughs> this time. Exactly. I fuck off, hand you a boner <laughs> instead of calling him a dick. Just hand you a dick. I fuck don't off, get boner. fucking boners. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm still looking up this past eleven thing. Uh, it's a fucking PG. So I think it's about time we moved on to your topic too, Mickey. What was it again? But I'm doing things. Uh, okay, my topic is what. When have you ever gotten really angry at a film? And it, like, it can be a film as a whole, or a certain thing in a film, or it, it can even be not even the film's fault. It's just the certain mindset you were in. You just couldn't take that film. I was trying to think about it when you know, when you give me this homework to do. And, uh, <laughs> Do you want me to go first, or do you? No, well, my I, I just I don't actually get that angry at anything when I, I, I watch. I was I was gonna say that I don't think I could ever imagine you really angry because you're you're just really mellow, you like, like so? the all the time. Oh, <laughs> you should see me when I've got slow internet at the house. <laughs> <laughs> and you should see me if they fucking use a dial up just work. <laughs> Um, well, it could be one of your special movies that you watched the other day. But no, like no, but, but I thought deaths in that. I had a couple. Uh, I didn't want to just say no. I've got no answer for your question. So one of things, <laughs> and, I, and then the two ideas. I have to look at my fucking phone. Well, it's just like my fucking there. Paxil. What's going on? <laughs> no, I'm but I remember, like, uh, what am I? Let's see. I've got a couple of things. Right, well, why go mad when you're fucking arsenal? No, it, it was films <laughs> with happy endings was something I was going to say that sort of, they don't make me angry. But... Like, for example, gives a fucking Well, that's example. what I'm saying. I can't even fucking think of an example then, but, like... You can't think of a film with a happy ending. Well... <laughs> think of every film. It's not, that, it's not every film that has a happy ending, yeah. but films that would have been better if they had... I've just Well, for example, The Dark Knight Rises, Batman's definitely fucking dead. Well, put it that way, he's dead. In my opinion, Nolan killed him, right? And the studio brought him back. That's why there's that fucking stupid thing about the Batwing in it. Right. Pan's Labyrinth is a 12. 
It's not a fucking 12. <laughs> it's not a fucking 12. Oh, hold on, is that 12. what I meant if it's instead of a PG? Ah, uh, well, 12 AM PG is essentially the same thing as a 16. Is that what it is? As long as you, like, a, a younger kid than 12 can see it, as long as it's accompanied by an adult. Well, it's like PG 13. What did you think it was going to be? If you had to guess what age straighten it would be, what would you guess? Pan's Labyrinth? By like 13, maybe? Uh, well, maybe I just, don't know. Just for that Well, it is sort of, they, they do <laughs> brush over because they're all in a fairy tale or whatever, like, you know. But anyway, uh, he was talking. Somebody was I was talking. I was saying about the Dark Knight uh, raises because you were saying about oh something should have happened that didn't happen. Batman should have. I mean I mean whatever you want to say about Dark Knight raises, but I mean, in lots of ways it's a, it's a I just think it's a good way to round off that trilogy. But he definitely should have got his ticket punched like. So but di- so you in your opinion, Batman is dead. Batman's dead. Or or in my just, opinion, Nolan killed him. And, and just then, uh, Alfred is just has dementia then. <laughs> No, I mean, there's those two scenes, right? Because, right, they had... I mean, it's told you in so many ways, like, you know, where his line is, like, I haven't given them everything, not yet, you know. And he had, he had written himself under this corner where he thought, there's no way we'll be able to... Because the Batwing, you know, there's only there's only fucking one of these Batwings, right? Because Bane breaks into his fucking place and all, and he has all uh, the Batwagons and all that there, and the cars and all. <laughs> but he doesn't have any other Batwings because there's only one of them because it's a prototype. That's told the dead early. Aye. And then there's a stupid thing at the end where fucking uh, Alfred or somebody sitting in a cockpit and they're kind of going, oh, Bruce fixed this ages ago. Where fuck this Batwing come out of? Wasn't there before, sure. It was blown up by a fucking atomic bomb. And it's just, I think they definitely killed Batman. The whole thing is, uh, he, they did. He's, he's, he's fucking dead. Fuck him. Fuck him. But uh, let, like, let him be dead in your mind. But I think, do you know what they could have done, right? You they could have. Don't go to see any more Nolan Batmans. They could have, you know. They could have cut out that fucking uh, cockpit scene, and then they could have had Alfred, and you know, at that uh, cafe, and you could have had him look off like the end of an Inception or something like that there, and he just, so you could see him smile and then cut it. I mean, it's. He had the same thing. He's probably still alive, or something for, for, for the wee fans. Or ah, it's not like that. There, you didn't have to show him and Catwoman. That was nah. fucking stupid. Like an example I could maybe think of is the the Wicker Man. Like the original ends perfectly. Really fucking. Oh, you on about the Nick Cage one? No, 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 the, no. The original one. Like it's well, that's what I'm saying. Like uh, with the Nicholas Cage one, I remember flicking through it because it was on YouTube. I can't actually remember what happens at the end. Probably he get he fucking saves the he day. He starts shouting about bees and stuff. Does he? He probably gets burnt as well, though, does he? Uh, I think no, no, he gets stung to death by bees. I think. I think. Nicholas Cage does. But there must be a wicker uh, man wicker thing man? that he's in. He must are be. Are they in. wicker bees? <laughs> <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, because I think what it is is that the, the whole thing of that remake is that they're they're saying the whole the whole island thing is uh that it's essentially like a hive. And every person on it is it. They're they're it's really aye. <laughs> no, they're going for like a metaphor kind of thing. But the, aye, yeah. I think he's stung to death by bees because I I definitely remember mm. seeing this clip of just him going bees. I think he does get burnt. I think he does get burnt too. Oh, well, ma- maybe that's aye, just a bit. In the I think it does fucking light him up. Like no, I have to use a fucking hypothetical thing to support me. Or if, for example, they thought right, this is our remake. And we're gonna have it that he busts out of the fucking wicker man, and doesn't get flayed alive. That would that would have made me angry. Well, mm. it wouldn't actually because the whole the whole rest of the film is a piece of shit anyway, so it wouldn't uh, actually uh. matter. But if it was a good remake, and then he he gets away at the end, uh. that would really annoy me. 
I have to so, say. No, hang on. So yeah. you're saying if this happened, you would have been really angry. I, I can't say. I can't bloody. <laughs> so that's I not an answer to I the can't question. Know, I can't really think of. I can't. My memory is really bad yeah. when it comes to. Yeah, sure. Like maybe. I'll give you. Someone will probably fucking come to you. If one of us always tried talking, just come to you. Like. Wait, wait. Do you have a couple or just one? I have a couple. I have, I have a couple more. Really. Alright, so right, so we'll we'll talk about things. You think about things, yeah. or disagree with us. Um, no. <laughs> I'll, not, I'll, not, I'll not remember anything, so we'll, we'll just okay. go on as <laughs> like Jurassic Park, everybody should have got fucking eaten by Rex. There's no way they were getting out of there. We just had a couple well, of spies. Well, definitely. Like. A lot more felons <laughs> should have not happy endings, I think. Than I think people are afraid of it. They're yeah. very, very afraid of it. Like, But they de- definitely would make me angry. Yeah. You just accept it. Angry that well, I mean, if, if, if you didn't have all these happy ending films, then you wouldn't have those really brave ones that you like so much. You wouldn't like them as much. If they had those dark ends, well, it is, you wouldn't appreciate them as much. Because I actually, at the end of the end of working around, I, I'm actually nearly smiling at watching this boy it's fucking getting dead. fucking Sweet. singed, and mm. like, oh Jesus Christ! Oh, it's like just you just see you see the pure fear in his eyes. You're and just I'm, a maniac. No, but it makes me happy just knowing how good that ending is. You know, just it's not right because you know actually at the end of Chinatown, right? Robert Town, the scriptwriter, had written it that right. This is a spoiler for Chinatown. Take your oil if you haven't seen it. It's going to be colour anyway. So it's going to be colour anyway. No, I'm joking. But uh, if you haven't seen it, like, uh, skip the next three minutes or whatever. Well, I'm not going to rip it back out. Anyway. But I thought, uh, <laughs> 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 no, Robert Town had written an ending where uh, Faye Dunaway and uh, her sister incest, she's the product of incest, her sister slash daughter uh, gets away. But... Uh, Roman Polanski says they can't. There has to be a tragedy. You know, it's Chinatown and this kind of thing and all. And so it was. It was Roman Polanski that changed it. That Faye Dunaway gets shot in the head at the end, mm. which actually is the thing that makes that film. It really. It really if it had to get away, I would have been like, "Oh, it's the same as every other fucking thing. That's fucking shit." Where's my baby as well? And the other Polanski ends really. It's fucking mad. It's, I, it's really ballsy. Really ballsy. Aye. Aye. Class. Mm. So you want to say um, made I, I would say Die Hard Four, but not quite as much as Die Hard Five. Die Hard Five is a fucking <laughs> abomination. Like Die Hard Four made me angry, but Die Hard Five. Aye, Die like Hard Four made me angry, but Die Hard Five made me angry. Stuart Lee so reference. Oh like I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, it's just oh, it's it's. Fucking shit! Just it's it's so just the film as a whole just fucks you. That's the biggest pile of bollocks ever. Like I don't know. And it served you right for going to see it. That's all. I <laughs> well, you can't. I mean, yeah, I dodged that bullet. <laughs> no, do you know what? You always, you always hope because I mean, I think what happened the first one. The first one was great, and then the people said the second one wasn't quite as good. I think the third one's definitely returned to form. I was hoping the fourth one was wee bit substandard, but you could still watch it despite a lot of really stupid things. But then I thought the fifth, they've got a good action director back, maybe. Your man's he's all right, but you, you know you know what made me actually want to watch it was uh what's he called again? Your man the boy directed five. He directed Max Payne, which is a pile of shit, and he directed the remake of Flight of the Phoenix. Oh, uh, he's he's got an Irish name I forget it, but anyway. But um, I thought maybe his his thing of saying you know I think he, him and Bruce Wallace had a conversation. He was saying that oh you need to make it uh an older certificate again you know you need you need to make practical effects no you need to get rid of the cgi stuff and all john murray john murray that's exactly what it was. and it was just and just to hear all these things about what was going to happen with five i thought fucking hell i might have a new p- 
person who loves the whole franchise and he, what he loves about John McClane because apparently that's what Bruce Willis said. He says, I just love what he liked about John McClane and we'll do all this stuff and all. And uh, it's 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 dreadful, hey, in every, in every sense of word, hey. It's, it, the music is the music from all the films, the, the Michael Kamen soundtrack. And it's like these scenes are happening, they don't match the music. The boys cut it really badly. The action's not moving fast enough or it's too slow. It's badly paced. There's all this fucking bollocks with his son and all, and and then it was this thing that at the very very end, the final showdown of the film happens on Chernobyl, and fucking everybody's walking around in these uh, you know protective suits and all. But of course, John McLean and his son don't need these protective suits because they're from New <laughs> they're Jersey or something. And it was just after little or no emotion, you know, from Bruce Wallace, you know, doing his best Bruce Wallace impression <coughs> badly, and then uh. They're this taking. This boy fucking likes stuff, doesn't he? No, <laughs> no, but it was just—it was just this thing where you're like, you know, they're—they're they're pulling up, they go on this big showdown and all, and his son hands him a sawn-off shotgun, and he's always, always, oh, what the fuck is this? Was it a fucking pirate gun? And I was going, you're an NYPD police officer, you know what a sawn-off shotgun is. Going fucking pack at him. <laughs> Did you just say NYPD? M-I-D-P. NYPD police officer, stand <laughs> back, sir. <laughs> but it's that, and then, and then it's just, he gets a son of shotgun, goes, yeah, it's old school like you, and you're just like, oh, fuck it, I'm. And then, and then just the final, the, the icing on the shittest cake. <laughs> the <laughs> shicing on the shite cake? <laughs> like, uh, the pish on top of the shite cake was uh, oh. fucking... Bruce Willis, after he tools up, he turns around to his son, the the the, the emotional penny dropping, going, uh, I've really enjoyed running around me today. They've, they've just blown up half of fucking Moscow. They're all, I've really enjoyed running around me today. And I'm just all, well, and then, and then, honestly, genuinely, after that, and it was during the day, it was during the afternoon, I fell asleep. Genuinely, I fell asleep. And I woke up and the credits were going. I didn't even bother. I, 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 it could have I, been a really good third act. It's me howl. <laughs> not a fucking snap it. Like, that's what Die Hard 5. As the crow flies. And shit. No, I, I really like it. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You're royal. Haven't, no. seen it. <laughs> haven't seen it, but I know what the movie is. <laughs> I actually had a theory about the Die Hards. Before before uh, Die Hard, amazing, at the very least. But before Die Hard Five came out, was I was I think it was my brother Stagby or something. I was talking to one of his mates about Die Hard. I was like, Die Hard Five is going to be good. Because I thought it was going to be good. No, that's what made me angry. No, but the 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 reasons behind it was because it's an odd numbered odd numbered Die Hard, and one and three are the best ones. So, so number five. Four, up. they were thinking. Right, let's make us a wee bit. See, no, t- see t- the, the t- problem t- with four is no, but actually four, four had one of the best scripts. It was just it just terribly made. No, but two two and four weren't great. One and three were good. So I think uh, so. I was thinking odd number diehards are good. So mm. number five is gonna be good. Also, Russian baddies. One and three had Russian baddies. Two and four didn't. One see? and four. Who's a Russian Rush. baddie in the first? It's your four. It's your fucking. It's Tom Holland fantastic and four. Hey, he's not Russian. That's what you're saying. Who's no, I'm saying Russian baddies is a plus. They, one and three had Russian baddies. German. German. Oh. Well, I know when Wait. Hans Gruber's German, yeah. but... Hans, Hans, and Hans. And his brother in the third one. Okay, I'm now. just cutting all this out then. <laughs> oh, no, come on, you're allowed to be wrong once in a while. Oh, I totally had a point about this. Maybe it was German. Well, they're German. It's French. 
No, but then it's not German bodies in five, so that doesn't make sense. It's a Russian body in five. Uh, the walls have crumbled. Well, down. listen, it's good to test the theory <laughs> in front of millions of viewers or listeners. Because we do have millions of listeners. I know, exactly. Yeah. So I think... Uh, films that made you angry. Anyway, <coughs> one of my films that made me angry was that... Well, I'll prefix this way. There's films I don't like, but I never really get like super annoyed with them because... like. Other people can like. I I know I like some shit films and some films that I think are shit. Other people like. It's all subjective. Like, like you you don't like a lot of films that I would like or whatever. But one film that I cannot stand if anyone likes. I've never met a person that likes this film. Is Ocean's Twelve, and the thing that got me so angry about Ocean's Twelve. Is the complete the bullshit? Yeah, the Jiller yeah. Roberts fucking yeah. plot. I think I, I fucked off. Everyone, probably it's, including the cast. And it's crew. just so fucking stupid. And these stick on a fucking Bruce Willis theme here. He is in that as well. I thought it was fucking brilliant. Really? <laughs> Have really you seen Ocean's Twelve? Really, really yeah, groundbreaking uh, stuff, dude. Oh, just oh, the way so, Julia she came in being like, oh, well, oh the way the way Julia Roberts, <laughs> the way Julia you know, Roberts fuck. has the great ability do you, do you to look what like Julia Roberts. 12? I remember it was something that we heard playing herself or something. I, the, like the whole way through the film, like they say, oh, you know who Tess looks like, you know who Tess looks like, and then it comes a part of the the plan that she has to pretend to be Julia Roberts. What the fuck? That uh, is bullshit. It's so see, annoying. Did you know? Uh, no, but it's uh, it's like, like you, I'm it, I'm about to agree with you. I know, I know, but <laughs> I just it's like the kind of shit you would make up when you first start getting into films. Mm. Like I like I've I've written scripts and all, and I've I've st- and I've just gone down the deep hole of trying to be really like meta or all this here kind of bullshit and like reference <laughs> that a character is a secondary character or whatever yeah. and it a it's, self-referential it's, character to a script you haven't released yet yeah you know you're all ah, well, you know. and you know <laughs> it's it's all it all seems like a good idea at the time uh, yeah, but yeah. it's always bullshit uh, and but you're supposed to grow out of that shit when you're making major motion pictures with julia roberts See the thing is right. Oh, is, so stupid. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing right. They could have fixed that on right, and it's a technique. Not put <laughs> Well, no right. I actually think the gag could have worked, but in the first in the first film right, they do this all the time. As soon as a bit of information gets a wee bit too over-explanatory, they cut all the time. So it's like, uh, and then they just cut, or somebody's about to respond. They cut. They do that a while out in the first film, right? If they had just done that every single time they were about to say Julia Roberts and cut, that would have became a joke. That would they have been, did do and that. they never would. No, they didn't. No, they they stopped them from saying Julia Roberts. No, 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 no. They definitely did. It was it was the the boy at the uh, the concierge at the hotel she was meant to be staying at. No, he says Julia Roberts is coming, and then Bruce Willis comes on. He's like Julia, oh, I, oh, I, Julia. I, when, when, when the whole plan is. Aye, the... but they, sh- they just shouldn't have done it every oh, time. It, they are should you just... saying they shouldn't have never said Julia Roberts? Never once said Julia Roberts. And I still still think a joke would have played. Even having Bruce Willis oh, okay. there and everything, I still think a joke that would have played. Possibly. Okay, mm. but it's still fucking stupid. We should actually recut that. <laughs> we should recut it and stick it up and just be like, "What do you reckon?" No. <laughs> But we'll have, to, we'll have to do all the voices ourselves because the music won't match anyway. Can I come up with a really short sub-topic, which is what films made you really happy? As Jack Lemmon once said, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what films made you really happy? Mm. <laughs> like for me, obviously, The Wicker Man. 
but also... Because <laughs> you're a mentalist. <laughs> no, actually... <laughs> It's a wonderful life. I want to see justice burn on their statue. It's a wonderful life. Burn justice it's, inside It's, it's the only people. film that made me almost cry. Or like, maybe even, I don't know, maybe it was a cry. I don't know. Did, did Wetness happened up here anyway. And not, like, nothing but a wet bake. Nothing like, there wasn't a... wasn't one manly tear. It wasn't like a, a cloud forming that had to eventually give way. Mm. <laughs> but there was a happening. I had to hold shit in anyway. You, you I was holding it in, that's why I was holding it in. You were threatening to cry. I was, I. There was a happening in your face. Just so people think that we might like things as well, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. Um, uh, so that's not so negative. It's, it's, it's a very nice uh, a very nice thought. Falls made me happy. I would say the first Lethal Weapon that made <laughs> me very happy. I don't mean because... <laughs> okay, but, but not because... <laughs> not... Not really because it's a song you think is an amazing film, but a moment in the film that just All right, filled you with fucking joy. I'll tell you, it was uh, Last Action Hero when the wee fella gets first put into the film, and it's the most ridiculous fucking action scene ever, and coincidentally directed by Die Hard director John McTiernan, oh. and Predator director oh. as well. And uh, it's the most ridiculous fucking action scene you know, he's driving along, these boys are chasing him with, like, money guns coming out of cars and stuff and all, and he has to jump off this bridge. It's funny, this, this, this van, he, he's going along this bridge, this van, just as a handbrake turn in front of him, and a fucking money gun slides out of the side of it, and he has to just drive off this bridge, and, uh, <laughs> 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 it's absolutely fucking ridiculous, it's like a 40 feet drop this car, and obviously nothing happens to it, but then he, he, he just, and <laughs> In the middle of trying to shoot all these baddies, he fucking he puts a tape on of his favorite tune or whatever. He just says, "All get down, It's just music for chasing, you know, being chased by forty baddies, and it's just it's so brilliant and so well, uh, so well observed of the genre, and it just turns it up a wee bit, and that's why it's hilarious. And that, that me and Chris actually has both of your cousins actually. Uh, what do you call it? He, uh, it's one person. but It's one person, but I, <laughs> it's two of you, so I said cousins, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, we watched together, and I think <laughs> I don't think I ever laughed as much in my life watching. I think it was brilliant. I know. So, something funny from last act's year is uh, when uh, he's he's out to the movie then, and then he realises he has to reload a gun. <laughs> That's right. There oh. are some brilliant parts in that film. Like, I, I know. Think, I like that. I think it was, it, that actually, coincidentally, was actually fucking... I remember I mentioned Sorcerer a few weeks yeah. ago about that was my recommendation. One thing I forgot to say was actually the reason Sorcerer tanked because, you know, Friedkin had French Connection, they had Exorcist. The reason Sorcerer tanked was it opened the same week as Star Wars. Well, yeah. brings us nicely on the, what I was going to say, well, was just saying, happy, yeah. is Star Wars. Yeah. I've said it on before, Star Wars is just happiness to me. Huh? And I just stick on Star Wars and I have a big smile on my face. Nice. If you want to go mm. something really specific, I think... shit. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my fucking <laughs> No, I'm not joking. I don't have to worry. But, uh, no. <laughs> but You've had uh, too if, much. If you, if you want to go something more specifically, it's when uh, John Williams' score, just the big heavy moments with the, with the score. Don't you have to call him about John Williams? He fucking hits him. Oh, okay. I don't. That, that's that's actually the song, the song, the sound my dog makes when she's about to vomit. Book. So, Can I do it again? That is the, that is the exact same song. So, I keep saying song, sound. Song. Um, but uh, they they go back on a negative 
helped. I had a. <laughs> I had an. I, no, I had another one of films that made me angry. But this is on the side of it had nothing to do with the film. Imagine get that angry turned on the angry. That's it. Just. Um, you started. What he you're only watching Die Hard Five in my thirties come out and there's thirty Ang Lee's coming out of Die Hard Five, just Is he the Hulk director, is he? Yeah, is yeah. Broke, make Brokeback him Mountain as well. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain and Crouch and Tiger t- Crouch and Tiger had the dragon. Crouch and Tiger. What do you call the other one? Like the pie. but no, yeah. It was it wasn't the film's fault, even though I've I've never actually watched the film again to know if it's anyway a decent film or not. What's this here? Uh, the film it made me angry, but it's not the film's fault. It was the state of mind I was in. Love actually, <laughs> God damn it. and I didn't actually see the whole film. Just I, I came in and I think there was like half an hour left. Mm. And actually, I, I, I love Love Actually, I love Richard. Uh, Richard is it Richard Curtis? Richard Curtis. Yeah, yeah I love Richard. I know Richard Curtis does, but uh, no, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't the film's fault. It was I had recently broke up with my girlfriend, but she broke up with me. So I still wanted her back. We're now engaged. It all ended very well. But <laughs> but at that time, uh, we had just recently broke up. And I wanted to get her back. And then it was the last half an hour of love, actually, where all the stories pay off and everyone is in love. And it just made me really fucking angry. Mm. And then I went on well, my, I don't on, know. And, Laura, I, and then I went Laura, Laura on Lenny Bebo fucking, and deleted you know. all my photos of, <laughs> of my girlfriend. Jesus, <laughs> Laura Lenny comes off. Well, like, we get her and they see what she has to say. <laughs> she doesn't know this. No, but story. You know, it's, 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 no. it's actually a one tragedy of love. Actually, the person that kind of needs it, you know, the most, it would seem, or, or, or you know, she probably loves it. Love actually. the most is, is Laura Lenny's character, <laughs> and she she's she's the one that doesn't get the she doesn't get I the payoff. She has a brother who's uh, who's who's sick or whatever, and this kind of stuff, and uh, she always has to answer his calls and always has to go and see him and stuff. And there's a guy in her office that she sort of is very attracted to, and then surprisingly enough, at some party, she finds out that he's attracted to her. And then, I think it just basically as it transpires, and just uh, she she fancied him and all really 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 fancied him and that kind of th- thing, but uh, it just never works out for her because she has to look after her brother, and it's a wee bit of a tragedy because she's doing a really good thing, and mm. that doesn't happen. But it seems like a lot of the, I don't know, a lot of the sort of people that don't need it as much in the film can of get it <laughs> I but I don't know I suppose it's always these wee segues too because I mean like even Paul Nye's character he, he has this whole thing oh I'm back I'm success but he goes to see his agent instead and he's like come on let's go get pushed and watch porn <laughs> he's gonna hang it on and then like uh, Colin for I suppose it's all it's all they are it all it all seems the um, end on a happy note anyway it was only the last it half it does hour, relatively like I mean I think the only, the only one that's like classically happy and it's as it, the Prime Minister story, we, uh, Hugh Grant. That's the only one really classically ends happily. The that rest of them are, well. uh, they're, they're all slightly unconventional ways of. Well, Andrew Lincoln's one as well. He has the cards and stuff. Doesn't end happy though. He's she's, she's married to his best friend. Oh really? Mm. Oh, maybe I should and watch that. Emma <laughs> Emma Thompson doesn't end happy. Alan Rickman, fucking Snape Rickman. So basically, what you're saying is, I shouldn't have got angry with this one. <laughs> Because it's not about love whatsoever. No. <laughs> you should go on, you should rewatch it with your fiance. Mm. And you should happens. skip those parts. <laughs> you should skip those parts for uh, Hugh Jackman's dancing around. Hugh Jackman? I was going to say Hugh Jackman. Did I say Hugh Jackman? Yeah. 
Hugh Yana. Grant. What the fuck? Did I see Hugh Jackman there fast time as well? He said Hopefully. Hugh Jackman three times. Class. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Wolverine is a fucking prime minister. I bet, man. <laughs> Do you know what film made me really happy? <laughs> at, the, at the very end of, uh, Before Sunset. Ah, me, oh, me, me too, actually. Before the way that, Sunset. The way, have you seen it? Nah, I haven't seen it. It's... Uh, like even explain it, it would just ruin it for anyone that might be listening. But I nah, don't don't ruin it. <laughs> but it's it, it's probably one of the most real and most well observed and most intellectual romantic films you'll. It's ever a really see. good. It's sort of, it's the perfect in between mm. of a happy ending and a sad ending because you just don't know. Mm. And it's not like one of those endings yeah, that sort I mean, of confuse you. Oh, it, Jesus. It things like Love Actually and shit like that, there the stuff is too a wee bit too twee and all that kind of, kind of fucks you off. Watch before Sunday, but watch the before trilogy actually. Ah, it's uh, especially the second one's still my favorite, but uh, that's definitely a, a more of a, I think a realist sort of ending. It's a r- r- romantic drama, but it's like real romance. It's two people, two very fully formed characters. It's not mm. like the guy and the girl. This is like two fully formed characters who are yeah. fucking loving breathing people. Definitely and, recommend watching. All three of these films. Well, we'll move on now to recommendations. So, who wants to do a recommendation? I'll I'll go for it. Um, Frank is uh, it's based on what is it? Is it fucking? Oh, Frank Sidebottom or something? Or it's it's based on a few people. Somebody it's based Frank. <laughs> particularly on one person. But uh, anyway, Frank to me was uh. I'd say it's one of the best films I've seen in a very, very long time. Like, and it's uh, a really good film. I, I think you would actually like Colin because not many films can. Uh, you were saying like really get you or uh, what was it? Uh, overwhelm you, but mm. uh, <laughs> I think this one actually because it's so odd. And Donald Gleason actually, I'm actually stating what Donald Gleason said about it. He said it's so odd and it's so crazy and it moves in so many different directions, but. It actually happens to be so sure-footed in all these directions, and I would completely agree with what Donald Gleason said about it. It's about he's like a struggling musician, singer-songwriter type person, and Donald, uh, Gleason. Donald Gleason is a uh, he's he's sort of the lead. Him and Frank are kind of the leads in it, but he's he's the character with which he come into the story with. Yeah, and uh, it's this. He's trying to write these songs. He's walking around trying to think of songs, and you hear a voiceover of him trying to write lyrics and all. And it's quite funny at parts and all. And like, there's one part. Uh, <laughs> Where he's trying to create this sort of buzz around himself uh, by having a Twitter, even though he's not really very good at what he does. <laughs> and so he just says, you know, ham and cheese panini, hashtag living the dream. And this kind of <laughs> stuff and all, like stuff like that to me was fucking really funny and really realistic. Well, yeah, like you're you're obviously a musician as well. Like, mm. like did you did you feel of the bits with him trying to come up with songs like, you like you've done that you've just been walking along and just making up bullshit lyrics in your head because as a as a failed musician <laughs> i've done that like you know what you know when you're like 14 you learn three three chords on the guitar like and you can't even write songs there's a friend of mine i says that you know like because he, he really keeps it simple as long as he's all, all i know is three chords and the truth <laughs> <laughs> and i fucking love that i don't think he made it up i think somebody else made it up i can't remember who made it up but uh but the thing about Frank is that, you know, look, there are times in your life where, where you sort of say, you know, even <clears> though there's a bit of foreboding in your mind, you're kind of going, should I do this? Or will it be a good experience? You know, I think it's the best thing for me. Or even if you don't know that you're going to come out of this with something good, you know, you still just want to do it. You're, just, you're, un- you're involved, you're interested. And I think that's what Frank's about. It's about, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. 
but I'll go for it anyway, good or bad, and I'll just, you know, it'll be good for me. And Frank's all completely about that, and it's about sinking way into that, and sinking that the darkness of that, and the lightness of it, and all this kind of stuff, but it's... And standardly, uh, you would have a lead who is, is sort of, you know, he, he's the audience, he's sort of with the audience and all, and he's like, oh, he's very good, and he's very nice, and he's, you know, this kind of stuff. The character, as it goes on, Donald Gleason's character, he's very flawed, and, and he's, very, yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not quite with the audience. And so he, you're with him for a while, but then as the, as the film goes on, you actually do start to see that he's he's not you know he's it's, not the nice guy. He's old. It's he's his old, ambition uh, kind of. It, it does in parts, and it, it's very skillfully done because you're with him. That's how you, that's how you get into this group. But then it starts to play with you a bit too, and it's. I would recommend it. Really, it's it's um, it's a really brave film. It's a really confident film, but I think it achieves everything I said out there. It was a great film here, Frank. Right. Um, I've recommended this to a good few people now. Uh, Come and See. It's a Second World War film set in about a genocide in Belarus. Made in. It's a comedy? Uh, yes, sort of. <laughs> depends, depends what you find funny. But, um. Oh. I think I think it's nineteen eighty five is coming then, but it might be in the nineties. I actually can't fucking remember. But uh, just a really, if you like Second World War films, but you're sort of fed up that there's no real, there's nothing fresh coming out of that genre anymore. Uh, there's like, uh, go yeah, back to that. There's not under, that it's underexplored not, elements of World War Two. Yeah, yeah. I definitely get fucked up. At it's, it, not an, it's not a. It's not a. Nineteen eighty five. You're right. Eighty five. It's not an old film as far as war films go, but obviously you have to go back a bit. Then it's, it's so fresh and uh, just the way the way it's done. There's something really hallucinogenic about it in terms of the, the way the sound design is done. Mm-hmm. It follows this. Uh, I don't know. He must be ten or twelve year old boy that wants to become a soldier, and he's basically drafted in just as things go. And he sees witnesses of this the genesis the massacre of his village and his family and uh it ends with one of the most brutal uh mass killing scenes you've ever seen and just done in a really totally different way than you ever than like the likes of the longest day, which is all very matter of fact and it's mm-hmm. not it's almost like do- documenting what happened Aye. come and see is like a proper experience like what what it's what i really yeah. like in filmmaking i mean i love the longest day i think i think it's also it's also kind of back to what what uh you asked ab- about it was the what is lacking from the the experience you know and, and, and if a film actually takes and mark Camus talks about it too he always talks about the exorcist that it feels otherworldly and experience and he talks about Werner herzog in the same way but i think what you're talking about is you know, i think that's when all the elements you know the problem with like what we keep slagging no one is all the elements are there and they work but they they don't you know they don't really punch you they, nah. they don't really dazzle you whereas i think what you're trying to say about that is that yeah. it really that's that's an an over uh, that's it's not really overwhelming but it's 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 really memorable and it's sort of a you you might notice yourself if you're watching it where your eyes just fucking bulging you're just like yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus, look at this. This is mad, and mm. like you couldn't check your your phone during it. Like. No, <laughs> I mean it's uh there are slow moving parts in it. It starts off pretty slow, 
and you know the fact that it's in Russian might put p- some people off, but it's uh, if you can sit there and just watch it, you'll uh, you'll mm. have a real <coughs> experience that you that you will definitely remember. So that's that's my recommendation. Cool, Kel. Uh, my recommendation is the uh, film called The Station Agent. Ah, really? Like Peter Dinklage. And I can't remember who else is in that film. <laughs> it's funny they didn't do. Uh, there was an episode on Entourage where I think they, they timed it so that Peter Dinklage was at Sundance when they were promoting a, a film at Sundance. So I think it was just a wee end joke that Peter Dinklage was promoting the station agent. Oh, like really? At Sundance, <laughs> I, I, that's a class film. It's a really good film. It's it's a, it is a really good film. It's uh it's about Peter Peter Dinklage and he basically has one friend in the world. And they're both really into trains. And then his friend dies, and in his will, he leaves him an old station out in the middle of nowhere. It's like it's it's not a working station or anything. It's just in the it's in the middle of nowhere. And so Peter Dinklage goes out to it, and he decides to live in the station. And he's uh the character is obviously a recluse. He had he had one friend. That friend's like on and he you can just he says he just wants to be on his own and he goes out to this middle of nowhere place to live in this station but then <clears throat> there's certain people around in that area where he, they're always there and he gets to know them and there's one character and I wish I could remember the actor's name because he's really good in it but there's one, there's this one guy at rocks that comes up every day in a van they sell like tea and coffee and all just in that area but you can tell he's obviously so starved just for people to talk to that as soon as he he finds out someone's living in that station, he's over. He's like, oh, what, what's going on? Like, um, whoever, like, let's be friends. Like, he's so overeager just to be... Have some sort of contact. Yeah. Mm. And he, he's like... And you can't be angry because he's a really nice guy. But then Peter Rickon is like, I just really wanted to be on my own. <laughs> and it's... And then there's this there's this other woman that lives nearby, and they all just became a become like close knit like there's a three three friends kind of, and it's just a really it's a really good film. It's a really quiet film. It's like it's just it's really slow paced, but it works really well with just the whole aesthetic of it. And it's. I, I don't know. You're you're the best at summing up when they watch. When is the perfect time to watch a, the station agent? Station agent. Um, I actually find a lot of similarities with the station agent and Wonder Boys. You know, I mean, it's not. Uh, last week I said I think Wonder Boys is is a perfect film. I wouldn't say station is a perfect film. It's it's sort of. I mean, it has that sort of Miramaxy nineties a Goodwill Hunting kind of vibe to it too. It has it has you know that you know. There's definitely going to be a good feeling here at the end. I mean, there are dark moments and dark parts of it, you know, but I think it's... They made it a Sunday evening when it's like... Uh, on, <laughs> on Sunday evening at about fucking 9 o'clock, maybe. Stack it there on. There you go. Stack it on Sunday evening. I think that's the best thing that's come out of this podcast is that Heron has just honed his, his 
ability to tell when you should watch a film. Mm. I'm sure if Die Hard Way of Vengeance, Saturday night kind of shit. Or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Saturday night. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. if the directors of those films happen to listen to this, they'd probably be wilder than over the moon if you say, <laughs> uh, it's a bit of it's a sun- Sunday, Sunday evening watch. Like, you know. <laughs> when you're just getting over the hangover thing. Uh, just after watching Stand By Me, uh, just stick on the station agent, just, just push, push just you. In between, just, just in push between Stand By Me and you've been like, framed. <laughs> Watch, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, just in between Noel's on Noel's fun house, like you know, just you know. Noel's fun house, <laughs> house party, and that. Uh, fuck up. So much I watch that fucking show, and I hear Noel's fun house, huh? <laughs> okay, and we'll wrap it up there. I'm playing us out. Shelby, Colin Norby on the iPad. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook at Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies. You can also email us like Gary Owen Gallagher did at Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Stitcher. You can subscribe. We're on most podcast services. Find us, hit us up. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye. <laughs> Does that work for everybody? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.